Hello, hello. This is Janae, host of We're Getting Personal, an interview series where we talk about all things health, physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. While the topic of this presentation is sensitive in nature, it may contain language and or conversations that may be triggering or unsuitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The opinions and views expressed in this presentation are the opinions and views of the presenters and should not be used as professional advice. For more information about health, mental health awareness, physical health, and or emotional health, please visit one of the links provided or contact a healthcare professional. So let's talk about it. We're getting personal. So this is a series that was secretly birthed from the book that I published back in January that talks about my story dealing with depression and just my spiritual journey of um, really overcoming it. And so I started doing this series so I can just have the conversation with more people, especially like more people of color who have been dealing with mental and emotional uh, depression or mental, emotional health, spiritual, uh, physical health, just all different realms of health. And just um, just have the conversation so people can be more comfortable sharing and talking. So today uh, we're going to be talking about maintaining your self-identity when it comes to relationships, uh, particularly intimate relationships. So uh, as soon as uh, my guest joins joins in, we'll get right to it. So I'm just waiting for her to pop in. But anyway, y'all talk to me. What's up? How y'all doing today? It's Tuesday. It's been Tuesday all day. And it feels like Tuesday, at least to me. Oh, there she is. Okay, now I got to figure out how to do this. Wrong way. Wait, yeah, I, guess. I said, I don't ah. see. There you are. <laughs> hey. Well, hey there. Sorry, I had to download the app. Oh, you didn't have the app? I didn't. Oh, I have no comment. <laughs> None. Was it a new phone? No. Okay. I just don't have it in an attempt to regulate the amount of time I'm spending on social media. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm good. Do I need to put in my headphones or are you good? Uh, I recommend putting in your headphones. So I'm actually going to let Ebony introduce herself because I want her to give us a little bit of background of what she does um, in her day job, <laughs> as well as what she does with her um, with her own business. So when you're ready, you can go ahead and let the people know who you are and what you do. All right. Hey, y'all. I'm Ebony. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of Michigan. I work mostly with couples who are trying to recover from infidelity. I specialize in infidelity recovery. 
However, I service a wide array of clients, everything from anxiety and depression to couples issues, um, spiritual things. So that is what I do in my day job. I operate the Christian Wellness Center. We are completely virtual, so you can receive services no matter where you are. Okay, so what, I'm just going to get right to it. What inspired you to start Christian Wellness Center? That's a great question. What inspired me to start Christian Wellness Center? So in my formal life, I was a journalist, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then I was substitute teaching. I believe it was to make ends meet. But I got a permanent substitute placement, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. at a school that had been labeled for bad kids. Mm. And so it was that experience, I think, that really pushed for the family therapy aspect because I wanted to see families restored. And when you see people just write off kids, you're kind of like, but why? We can help them. Right. Right. So then Christian Wellness Center was born and we have officially been in business, I think, five years. Oh, wow. Nice. Five is a number of grace. Yeah. That's good. All right, so we talk about relationships today, um, specifically or particularly how you maintain or navigate maintaining a um, a balanced mental, emotional state when you're in relationships. Um, now, full disclaimer, y'all, I'm single. I just want to put that out there. I don't know nothing about relationships, right? <laughs> Hence the reason why we're having this conversation, okay? I know the... The concept, ideology, blah, 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 when it comes to relationship with my own personal experience is non-existent. So I've had... It's non-existent. I'm going to say non-existent. I mean, there have been a little minor here and there, but nothing intense um, to the level of like marriage or even a long-term relationship situation. So anything that I say is purely circumspecial. It's purely from conversations from other people or my own ideology, okay? I'm just putting that out there. So I have a lot of questions, mostly questions, because it's this is basically an um, uncharted territory for me. Uh, but I'm going to get right to, I'm going to ask you, but you can answer it how you feel, you know, best to answer it. Um, particularly when it comes to marriage and that two becoming one, how do you maintain your own self-identity and individuality when you're basically merging your life um, with another person? I'm thinking about it. <laughs> because it is a really hard question, especially as women, because we are what? if you will, from the beginning, right? To be nurturers, to be caretakers, to put everyone else first and to put ourselves last. And so even when you talk about merging, I think that's just the word. Like we are merging two separate people, right? Together to become one. But what that looks like in real life, I, I think that's done in more of a spiritual sense, mm, okay. right? When we're talking about merging. So what that looks like in real life is hopefully we don't want to court spiritually, but I had an identity before you. 
I want to maintain identity when I'm with you, but it, if you die first, I still have an identity after you, right? It is, um, it's important because a lot of times we see things like, especially women, get into relationships, we lose our identity. Let's just say you have kids, right? If the Lord, if you can do that, you have kids, you put your identity into your spouse and your children, and then your children grow up and they leave the house, and you're kind of just stuck, right? You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. Like, your identity feels like it's been taken from you. Mm. So it is just a matter of really being intentional and saying, what is for me? I don't need to do everything with my spouse. We don't need to have all of the same friends. We don't need to like all of the same things. I don't need to conform. Compromise, right? Not conform. You like football. I don't like football, but I will watch a game with you every now and then. Right? Like, what's your thing? And really just remembering, being intentional about what's my thing and making sure that I am taking care of myself just as much as I'm taking care of everyone else. So is there like a fine line between the compromise where I'm giving of myself for the sake of the relationship versus I'm ultimately becoming for somebody becoming someone else for the sake of the relationship there is a fine line it's about balance right and what your balance looks like every relationship is different what a military wife needs to give i don't need to give as the wife of a minister right and what i need to give as the wife or someone who's directly involved in ministry it's not what someone else needs to give when their husband works a corporate job right right so that Balance is sensitive and it takes a lot of trial and error. Like we will fail at it and realistically probably feel horrible about the fact that we failed at it before we actually find our way and our thing. And Dia said that's a tough question. She's right. You're right. That's a tough question. I don't even know if I answered it. I think you answered it. Um I think you answered it. It has a lot to do with balance. Um, and it's so interesting. Like, this is kind of one of those questions I wish we had some guys to kind of come in and, and chime in on because I'm I'm used to hearing the woman's perspective a lot when it comes to the compromise, especially. Um, and that's what I see a lot. You know what I mean? Like, I see the woman's experience a lot more than I see the man's experience. And I'm not saying they don't go through it uh, because I've seen that as well. But most times and not I see the woman's process their transition so to speak as they adapt to this basically new way of living you know mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of like you know in that same vein like how do you especially if and I know like I use Barack and Michelle Obama as an example now simply because I, I watched her documentary uh, when her book came out and she she talked about how she just kind of, I don't want to say lost, I don't, know, I don't think she used the term lost sight of her own vision and goals, but she put more effort and energy into the family and into her husband's pursuit of his vision um, to the point that it wasn't until much later that she decided to dive back into herself. And mm-hmm. that's basically how Becoming was birthed. But like, hmm. I mean, I know it matters based on who you're with, right but how how but it's the balance right yeah like how do you balance it in a way that you choose to um 
to continue to pursue you while you're pursuing us. You know what I mean? So the concept in itself is not difficult. The actual behavior activation part of it is what becomes hard. The concept isn't difficult, right? Hear me. Make a choice to choose you. That's it. That is a mindset <laughs> that is as simple as it gets. Just like you made a choice about what you were going to have for dinner today, you make the choice to choose you. The part of that becomes that becomes complicated is the actual behavior part, like actually doing it. Because again, most women have been taught from the beginning to nurture other people, care about other people, put yourself last, like it's what we're supposed to do. Okay. To an extent, it it may be, I don't know, depending on what you believe, mm -hmm. right? But even using the example of my forever first lady mm -hmm. and my forever president, if you read the book, then there's a part in the book where Michelle is like, we have to go to therapy. And I got to the point where I was serving dinner at six o'clock, whether or not Barack was there, right? Because... Because just like he was making a choice to stop at the gym and play basketball when he was done with work, right? For him, right? Mm -hmm. Like he was making choices for him. They benefited him. She made the choice eventually, right? Through therapy to say, you know what? Dinner happens at six o'clock. Like if you hear you eat with us, if you're not, I'll leave you a plate in the microwave, right? That's not harsh. That just is what it is. It is a largely a boundary issue, mm. I think, on our part, right? And then literally acting out what it is that you want. Self-care isn't selfish. And you can't even pour into someone else at your best if you are not giving yourself your best. That's right. Uh, Dia said, that's a, she said, uh, you won't know right away. It'll take figuring it out as you go. Yeah, I get that. Cause you have to adjust to the nature of personalities that's in the relationship. So here's a question for you. Um, how do you handle things in a relationship when they become less than ideal? You mean other than therapy? <laughs> well, I mean, you can say in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Therapy's at the first, the top of the list, right? <laughs> Everybody go to therapy. No, how do you handle things in a relationship when they're less than idea? First, relationships fluctuate. We watch these Hallmark movies, right? And think everything <laughs> is going to be perfect all the time. And it's just, that's not what they're like. They fluctuate. And so you expect, I think, if, if, when we get married, right? Let's just say we're talking marriages here. If you get a good premarital counselor, then they're going to tell you the truth, right? That you're about to say for better or worse. And you say for better or worse, not because it sounds pretty, but because eventually for worse will show up and you darn sure better know how to deal with it, right? Like mm -hmm. you better struggle through it because it's coming. It's not, it's not just in the vows because it sounds good. So if you get a good premarital counseling and we're talking counselor and we're talking marriage, then hopefully you get a real life voice mm -hmm. at what it's like to be married. And hopefully you listen, right? Hopefully you're not one of them people that's just like, but we're in love. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> like my mama told me a long time ago, love don't pay the bills. 
<laughs> that's not right. that's not what it is. So if things aren't ideal, it's got to go back to the communication. Mm. Right. But the communication has to be clear. That's not just me being passive aggressive. That's just not me saying, well, you should know I shouldn't have to say it more than once. That's not me thinking you should read my mind. Right. <laughs> That's me opening my mouth, using my I statements, telling you what I need, how I need it, when I need it, like being very clear and hopefully us working together to figure out what needs to happen so that things become ideal again. Okay. So here's a, here's a, a scenario for you or uh, yeah, I'm gonna call it a scenario. So if you're in a situation where say that at the onset of the relationship, uh, there's been some self compromise for the sake of the relationship. Right. And then as time goes on, the relationship evolves and you realize that you want to go back to, or become a better you, um, as far as, what's considered to be uh, boundaries or what's considered to be important to you. Like if, if I want to make sure I word this the right way. <laughs> the communication never stops. The, right. The communication never stops. Uh, but, but like, how do you like um, mm, prioritize yourself worth in that situation so that what you value about yourself um, becomes more, I don't want to say more important than a relationship, but I don't know how to ask this without, like... I don't quite know what you're asking. Yeah, I don't know how to ask it without, like, saying a wrong thing. Like, you know that you compromise for the sake of the relationship, and you know that at the, you made it to a point where you realize you can't compromise anymore. Do you leave the relationship, or do you work through it and see what happens. Depends on how important a relationship is to you and whether or not you have a supportive partner, right? Ideally, I would like to say, work through relationships, see what happens. Like, hopefully we're just not up and leaving people because I decided on Tuesday, you know what? I think I want to set some better boundaries. Like, <laughs> I think I'll start with you. I'll leave you. I tell people this all the time about boundaries. One, not everyone needs to know your boundaries. That's situation dependent, mm -hmm. right? You will get the clue. If you, I don't even know, keep cussing me out and I've set a personal boundary for myself that I don't want to hear Janae cuss me out. If every time you start cussing, I say, all right, I'll see you later. And I exit stage left. Guess what happens? Eventually you get the clue, right? That every time you cuss, I exit. <laughs> I don't need to communicate that to you. There's some boundaries that don't need to be communicated. Like, they just don't. They're for you, so act accordingly. Be accountable to yourself, mm. not someone else. Okay, that was the answer. Being accountable to yourself. That makes sense. That makes a whole lot of sense. And even when we talk about relationships, we say stuff like, oh, it's 50-50. But is it 50-50 what, right? Because I'm getting up on what, eight, nine years of marriage? It ain't never been 50-50, <laughs> ever, <laughs> okay? 
okay? Like, hmm. there's some days I give 60 and Aaron can only give 40. There are some days he can give 90 and I can only give 10. Like, this is day-to-day, but have we ever been on a day where we have been 50-50? You really got to dive into that language and figure out what are you even talking about when people say stuff like that? What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Equal and everything all the time? No. 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 So so what so when you talk about equality, since you brought that up, what what's considered to be um equitable when it I guess equitable, because this is technically a different term term, but how is that different? Like how does that work? in your relationship because i know every relationship is different and what some people do in their household is obviously different than what other people do but it's kind of like how do you get to that point where you recognize the balance i guess i'll call I use the term balance in this case yeah. that way you're not like so it's not one person that's giving the whole hundred the bulk of the time you know what i mean because i feel like i see a lot of times where it's like you see a lot of the weight is mostly on one person's shoulder in a lot of aspects so like Typically, people are like, oh, yeah, the man is supposed to be the, the, the provider financially and all this other kind of stuff. And the woman is supposed to be, like, the keeper of the home. And we can go back and forth about all that. But I feel like even in that kind of situation, it's not necessarily an equitable situation because going to work and coming home is very different than going to work, coming home, and taking care of the kids and making sure the laundry is done and making sure the dishes are clean and making sure the food has been cooked and everything is ready for people to eat. You know what I mean? Yeah. What was the question? Equity. Equity. It has to do with finding that balance. I think I would personally like us to simply get rid of the concept, right, of equity. Like your balance is your balance. What works for your relationship works for your relationship. Whatever that looks like, you figure it out together. When you talk about very literal thought, right? When you talk about being equal, I'm like, okay, you do 50% of the housework, I'm doing 50% of the housework. You're going to pay 50% of these bills, I'm going to pay 50% of these bills. Like, you're going to take care of these kids. <laughs> it's your turn. What's today, Wednesday? Like, it's your 24 hours, right? Like, that is, that's not a, it's not even a true concept in itself. So why not just say what it is that we're trying to say? And being equal is not, we're probably realistically trying to say something along the lines of like, I want a partner who's going to work at it with me, Mm. right? Like every day, I want you to get up. I want you to work at it with me. Don't want you to be equal? No, there are some days you can't match in, in a very basic sense of being equal, right? Like there's just some days you can't match that. So because I couldn't give you 50% to match your 50% today, like, what you gonna do now? Now we're just in a place of chaos. That's a good point, that's a good point. So you said that you focus on um, infidelity recovery. Like, what do you, how, what is that process like? Cause I mean, I'm gonna use that one as an example cause I know you said that's um, your target group, but when people are in the situations where there's this broken trust or betrayal, like, what do you what is your process with them and helping them like because i'm pretty sure like the person who felt betrayed goes through this period of questioning a lot of things you know what i mean and and i know that self may have a lot to do with that as far as questioning their self their own identity in that case 
Um, how do you usually guide them through that experience to help them recognize that it's there? They can be a complete whole being and move forward, even with this other individual if they choose to, or if they choose not to. Right, that's kind of the thing, right? Here we are again. It's about choice. I think our process looks like when we talk about infidelity recovery. Really, if we're talking about marriage, right, specifically understanding um, the makeup, if you will, of an affair, what does that look like? And, and moving on from there, like you put all of the information on the table, whatever that looks like, we understand what it takes for an affair to happen, right? We go through the whole process, like was it a one-night stand? Was it a full-fledged affair? Because those are two completely different things you're talking about two whole different sets of a healing process there right um we talk well, about what's like, the difference between a one-night stand and a affair the healing process between the two yeah uh, yeah what's the between the, with the healing process between the two so a one-night stand generally speaking does not require, I want to say this correctly, because I don't want y'all in my inbox later. <laughs> when I stand, generally speaking, people are more understanding. Whether it's a man or a woman who committed the act, right? They're usually more understanding. They're like, it was one night. So we can get through all of the processes a little bit faster. We can get to the forgiving, the healing, the moving on a little bit faster. It takes a lot more effort a lot more work, if you will, when you're talking about a full-fledged affair, right? Because in a full-fledged affair, whoever the, the partner is that has been hurt usually feels like everything about their life has been a lie, mm -hmm. right? And so we have to deal with all of that and getting them to understand that just because this happened does not mean that everything else was a lie. And that's one of the major differences, like, feeling like everything that's happened, whatever, over the past five years we've been married was a lie compared to, okay, this only happened one time. Let's figure this out. Right? So that's one of the biggest differences. I don't remember the question I was answering before you asked that, though. So. You, <laughs> the, the process, basically how you guide people through the process of the infidelity recovery. Oh, process yeah we don't rush the process right right Generally speaking on average research tells us that it'll take about two years to recover from really in a marriage and that's if you're doing the work right and that's not two years of like feeling like you want to cut your partner out every day that's not two years of like horrible days it's just it's two years it's generally speaking about two years before you can look back on it and remember what happened but not feel all of the pain attached mm -hmm. to it so how do you deal with that pain part the memory you know what i mean because you know memory is like branded in your brain it's not something that you just forget the day after tomorrow you know what i mean yeah that is that process that two-year process right is part of what helps you deal with we call them triggers all of the triggers which are really nothing but memories right? You see something that reminds you of something, it's a trigger. Like you have a memory. How do you deal with those memories? At the two-year mark, hopefully you are able to self-regulate. 
whatever that looks like. I like to see it look like for couples to be very open and honest. Like we will talk about this as many times as we need to. And that doesn't always need to be a five hour discussion. Like sometimes it just looks like, hey, I rode past the store today and it reminded me of this. And your, 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 your spouse can offer a hug or whatever it is that you need, you know, a quick apology and then you're going about your day. Like it does not need to be forgotten. But chances are at the two-year mark, you won't be bringing it up every day, right? Like chances are at the two-year mark, you don't forget, but you can effectively live with it. Like it does not, it no longer affects your life in the moment. Mm, okay. In the moment. How does that, like your your mental and emotional state, like I know it's different from person to person, but I can imagine like there's a whole other process on an individual level that someone has to go through to help heal from that experience um so is there like a like work that people do as a couple and then work that people do as individuals to help with that process yes right three things have to happen you have to heal your spouse needs to heal especially if they're remorseful right a lot of times they're dealing with a lot of shame and a lot of guilt though they made the decision there's still a healing process in that for them too so you need to heal, they need to heal, and then the marriage in itself needs to heal. What typically happens is that we tell each person that they need to seek individual counseling, right? And they need to do marriage counseling. The hope or the goal, if you will, is that the two of you will grow individually. You'll figure out your own stuff, take responsibility for your own stuff, and the marriage will see a positive consequence or the relationship will see a positive consequence. Okay. I mean, the way you answer it make everything sound so simple. It's like, oh, yeah, you can just it's do this. <laughs> it is not. I mean, so how do you know when, and I, I understand you, because I know you're going to say this, that it's case by case, but as it comes <laughs> to like me as an individual or the person as a, you know, as an individual being, when is a breaking point when it's like knowing when to stay? for the betterment of the relationship or when to just walk away. And I'm not talking about specifically with infidelity, but just in general, when it comes yeah. to just relationships and just our sanity as people or whatever. That's a good question. That's a really hard question. How do you know when to stay and when to go? I like to think that you decide to go when you can honestly say you have tried things a certain way right and you are not getting the response or, or any response right like you're just not getting the response the feedback the understanding that you need from your partner y'all hear my kids in the background they don't sound in here working they don't care <laughs> um <laughs> you when you're not getting that response, like you're trying so hard, you're, you're honestly trying, not that, well, I told you one time, I shouldn't have to tell you again, like, I'm talking real life, putting some effort into it, and you're not getting what you need, then it just may be time to call it quits. But how much time and how many times? Like, I know you said one time is not enough, and you need to reiterate, I'll say reiterate it to people, but how many times will I have to repeat myself before it's like, okay, you just don't care. You know what I mean? And then how much time am I giving a person to 
I guess, to show that they do care. You know what I mean? Like, oh, six months, five months. Oh, I'll say 10 times. Like, what's the... <laughs> yeah, 77 times seven. No. Um... And that's forgiveness. That is not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I got to forgive you each time you don't listen. No. The... The... There isn't. There isn't like a timeline, right? You have to be able to self-identify that you need to move on. I'm really trying to think, like, what does that look like? How do you know? Because I, I can, I mean, you, I mean, I'm trying not to like, okay. You so I can ever. Okay. Right? Okay. Like, I need, I need to see, you need to see, we need to see some real effort. Like, old habits die hard. Right, right, right. That's just what it is, right? So I can't wake up on Wednesday and be like, well, I told you I don't like the color blue anymore. Why do you keep buying me blue flowers? Like, give me a moment. I've been buying you blue flowers for five years. Right? Right. So I need, you need to see some effort, like some consistent effort. And if it's not there, it may be time to leave. So what if they start doing the consistency with the effort? Just to get that, res- well, I'm gonna say just get a response. But let's. They start seeing. They start doing that consistent effort, and then after your response to them changes, they go back to how they were. Yeah, because I, I think- feel like people have people. I mean, I, I can speak on this. Like where people are, they try to manipulate the situation, so they do what they know you want them to do, so that you don't leave. And That's then true. once they realize that you are staying, they'll go back into the habits that wanted you to leave to begin with. <laughs> right. So then, in that case, leave. <laughs> so the moment they go back to the bad habit, don't even give them a second shot after that. Just go. I mean, you can have a conversation. So here we are again, right? I did, that's why it's self. You've got to know yourself, right? Like, I would like to say give people a second chance. People deserve second chances. And sometimes third ones. That's just what it is. What are we working on? And, and, and we're talking about progress, not perfection. I still expect you to get it wrong, right? Like, I just want to see that after you get it wrong, maybe you recognize it. Mm, okay. Maybe you try to do something to fix it, right? Or maybe that looks just like you're saying, and you know what? As I was driving home with these blue flowers, I realized you don't really like blue flowers anymore. My bad. Right. So acknowledgement, some form of acknowledgement. Yes. Yes. Some acknowledgement, some effort. Because again, habits, patterns, those are hard to come out of. It takes a while. So Dia said, we fall back into old habits and patterns. It's not always malicious. And I get that. But you don't always know people's intentions, I guess. You know what I mean? So it, it can look to me as if Yes, you're trying right now, and you've probably done very well for two months. It says it takes, well, 14 days to break a habit, 21 days to form a new one. I'm <laughs> just saying, like, if I'm putting it from that level, like, 21 days. You said what? It doesn't count when it's emotional. Emotional. Really? I don't think so. So you think it takes, what, more time when it's an emotional habit? Have you broken an emotional habit in 21 days? I don't even know what emotional habits I have. That's a whole different conversation <laughs> for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't even know. So what is that? Give me examples of emotional habits. Dia said you don't oh, need to know intentions. Know. It's about impact. It's about impact. That is that is very true. 
What do you mean you don't have any emotional habits? Uh, no, I said I don't have any examples. I oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it's like that concept of emotional habits. So it's like, I don't even know what, I don't even know how, how would you define that? What does that even mean? So wait, go back for a minute, right? Because here's what this would look like when we talk about people falling back into old patterns. There's always telltale signs that someone is getting ready to fall back into an old pattern. Mm -hmm. We could compare it to something as simple as a child about to have a temper tantrum. If you know your child and if you're paying attention, you know that certain things start to happen before a temper tantrum takes place, right? You, you're hyper, you're jumping up and down, you're not listening when I say something. Something mm -hmm. is about to happen. At that point, it becomes about being preventative, right? Like, again, I've been married, I don't, I don't know, eight years or something. And like, there's habits that Aaron and I have been working to break, right? Eight years in, we're still working on breaking some of these habits. But there's always telltale signs that this is about to become a habit again. Mm -hmm. Like we've broken it. Now we're about to go back into this pattern. There's always telltale signs. And so then you think about your job as becoming preventative, right? Okay. I'm just going to point this out for you. A equals B. Last time we got the B, we were at C. I'm trying to avoid being at C. I'm just bringing this to your attention because it's what I've noticed over the past two months, mm. right? Hopefully you have this type of relationship where you can actually say that, like you can be open and honest. It doesn't take anything more than that. It then becomes their turn to self-correct, mm. if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay, that sounds simple enough, at least in, in words. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so these emotional habits you're talking about, I'm going to get back on that because I feel like that's a very emotional important habits. piece. Yeah, because emotional aspect, I think, is, is particularly when it comes to relationship, and I think this is true for any kind of relationship, family, relationship, friendship, relationships, whatever, is like the emotional aspect of it is what I think affects a lot of our other responses. Um, so if I'm, emotional, if I'm hurt emotionally, I think that that will impact me mentally it, it can impact me spiritually if i let it um it obviously can impact me physically because it can affect how i respond to myself um but how how like how do you like unpack that emotional habits and how do you even know how to label those so you can know how to correct those How do you impact them? Because of that, like, an emotional habit is, like, I cry. Like, what is, what would be considered an emotional habit, you know? <laughs> I cry whenever you yell at me or I get easily attached whenever you do something nice to me. Like, what, like, can you give me a so, definition? Let's start So there. they don't need to be negative. Okay. If you will, right? With anything, just like a consequence. There can be positive consequences. There can be negative consequences, right? Like, we can have what we would consider positive emotional habits. Or we, I won't call them negative. I will call them like problem saturated. We can have problem saturated, okay. right? Emotional habits. And what does that look like? A lot of times in a relationship, it really can't look like not knowing when to walk away. Mm. What makes you think that something's going to be different this time with your partner? When you've seen the exact same patterns in the past three guys you've dated, mm. Mm. 
what proof here's the thing right the difference between what we know to be true and what we feel just because you feel like something is going to be different what are the facts right but again a balance between both i don't want you thinking with just your emotional mind i don't want you thinking just with your logical mind i want you to find a balance between the two but if we're talking about habits you dated three guys right like this is guy number four you dated three guys that have the exact same habits the exact same behaviors did the exact same things and now here you are on guy number four hoping something's going to be different it's time to take a look at your emotional habits right what's keeping you connected to something that's problem saturated mm. so that's a self thing huh that's a self thing most of it is a self thing right that's how we started this conversation how do i take care of myself and now we're back here back itself hmm. all right that was actually a pretty good response i thought you were going to say something different so i could ask another kind of question but <laughs> He <laughs> okay. said past collection plate. That was a big bar ebony. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Cash at me. No, just <laughs> But that is a good point though, when it comes to just like so I'll I'll tell tell Dia this because this was a good one that she said to me that we were talking some time ago and, and she stated how um it's a thing about knowing who you want to be in a relationship. And so how, where is this dynamic where we reconcile who we want to be in a relationship versus who we've become in a relationship, which may or may not even be connected to who we were before we even got into a relationship. You know what I mean? Because I feel like what you said is true about the fantasy we have of when it comes to relationships, what mm -hmm. Disney or, you know, fairy tales have shown us versus what's real as far as the work. So we may have our own understanding of how we think relationships work. And by that understanding, we have this definition of who we want to be. And then we get into it and realize it's not what we had hoped. <laughs> it's not who we are. It's not who we want to be. It's not who we want to be. And so then it's like, that's a whole other mentally, emotional, spiritual, physical uh, process that we have to go through and say, yo, okay, I got to do some reflecting and say, yo, this is not what I envisioned. How do I fix this? How do I fix me? Because I can only control me. That's true. You can only control what you can control. And at any given time, that's going to be you. I don't know that there is a sure way on fixing it, right? Uh, here's that word again. Other than really being intentional about what it is that you want, what it is that you desire. Dia said therapy and mm. therapy. That's at the top of the list. You might as well put a scrolling bar to say get therapy across this live. Okay. You can't end up there. <laughs> so figuring out who you want to be requires you to take a look at who you are. But even more importantly, like who told you to be this person? What image are you trying to live up to and who painted it? Right? Because, like, it wasn't me. The other day, my child, who's seven, said, I don't know, she's saying, I'm beautiful. She's saying, I'm beautiful. Everyone knows I'm beautiful. Everyone just thinks I'm so pretty. I'm really pretty. And her dad said, 
didn't we talk about being humble? And I was like, no, right? Like right then and there. And I'm not like big on correcting him. We're not big on correcting each other in front of the kids. Don't do that. She might in her own business talking to her own self in a mirror right now. Ain't nobody asking you to interrupt her, <laughs> telling herself that she's gorgeous. Okay? Like, let her be. Because, again, in good intention, you're trying to teach something good right now. Like, you're trying to teach her how to be humble. I don't take that away from you. But no, because at the same time, you're running her self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's some one-year-old y'all here. That was a mama look. <laughs> at the same time though right like you telling her to be humble you're running her self-esteem right you're going to cause her to have something called imposter syndrome when she grow up because she's going to feel like she can't express leave her alone she's in her mirror minding her own business talking to herself so again whose image who's who are you trying to be yours somebody else's who my mama told me I should be what my great grandma made it look like Mm. okay so then how do you create your own image then like and we're so you said it best when you said women in particular are brought up to believe that this is the role we're supposed to play when it comes to family when it comes to relationships so how do you unpack that and then like really create your own your own image you know what I mean so after you go to therapy You make the decision to do the behavior activation. Listen, uh, the emotional stuff you can figure out in therapy. Truth be told, the hard part for most of us is not figuring out what we want, what we want it to look like. The hard part truly is doing it, right? But here we are again, more unpacking. What you're scared of. Mm. Right? Like, what's preventing you from doing something? What other people think? I don't know. But that is something to unpack in therapy. Like, everybody just go find a therapist. It's not difficult. Psychology Today, pick one. Okay? Just go sign up and you will discover so much about yourself because you've got to know where the root of a lot of this stuff is in order to truly change it from the inside out. So you mentioned behavior activation. So is that just like the application of the work or is that like, what is behavior? Okay. Yes. It's just that, right? Like actually doing the work. It's not enough to know. It's never going to be enough to know. It's not enough to know how to communicate with your partner. Did you do it? Like, did, really, did you use all of the steps, right? Like, did you break down what you're really feeling? Can't just be like, I'm angry. Don't nobody know what that means, right? Like, it's 2021. I mean, I can't what just say that. You? What you mean? You can't say that, right? Why because, not? It's because true. Because you've got to decide whether or not anger isn't a primary emotion. What? There's, some, there's something underneath it. What leads you to being angry? Oh, something happened. Frustration, right? confusion. Ain't frustration, anger, same thing. No, no, they're not. See, what? one leads to one leads to the other. What's the difference? Frustration will lead to anger. Feeling disrespected will lead. It, it will look like anger, 
right? So really think of it as an iceberg. What you see on the outside is like the tip of the iceberg. That's the anger. But then what you see underneath the anger is the rest of the iceberg. The big mass is underneath the water, right? That's all those other emotions. The frustration, the disappointment, whatever. Whatever it is, right, it's underneath the water. But what I see is the anger because that's what it comes out as. So I have to say I'm angry because I'm disappointed. <laughs> I feel like I need to say that twice. Nope. Because anger and disappointment are two separate emotions. Okay. <laughs> if I say to you, Janae, I'm disappointed in you. You hear that differently than me saying, Janae, I'm angry with you. I mean, in both cases, I'm going to ask what happened. You are. But can we agree that there are two separate things? I guess disappointed is less intense. Maybe. Perhaps, however you define it. I mean, yeah. But it's different, right? Like, if I say, I don't even know, Janae, I'm frustrated with you. And I say, Janae, I feel disrespected by you. We're talking about two separate things still. Yes. Right? Like, they are not the same. So a lot of times it just, we say words. Angry, happy, mad. I could also be ecstatic, which does not quite define happiness, right? Like it's it's a little bit more. This makes me happy. This makes me joyful. We're not mopping all those together because those are different definitions and they're on different levels. Mm. Right? So define whatever it is that needs to be fine, need, needs to be defined. And watch your communication improve. People understand it better. Wow. Because you so, know what people argue? People argue, what are you angry for? You shouldn't be angry. Like, you don't have a reason. But it's different if I just say what it really is. What is angry? It's what it shows up as. Right? It is like a... I don't even, it's like you have the, like you have a common code. Okay. Right? Symptoms. You can treat the code. Right, right? Like you can treat the code, but then you go to the doctor and you really find out you have a flu and you mm -hmm. can't figure out why you're not getting better because you keep treating all of these symptoms, but you're not treating the root cause. Like it's the flu. Maybe you need an antibiotic. I'm not a medical doctor, but you wasn't buying an antibiotic over the counter. You was just taking Tylenol. Like it's, it's different. Some of the symptoms may look the same, but it's different. Okay. That makes sense. That that makes sense. So how it manifests versus what build up to it. Okay. All right. Call it what it is. I guess I I got it. I told I told my um, I told my therapist that I need emotion will because Yes. <laughs> clearly I'm not doing a good job at defining these emotions. <laughs> Get one, girl. Just print one off of Google. <laughs> I mean, man, you said primary emotions, and so what? It's supposed to be secondary. It's like the colors. You know, got primary. It colors, is. It's just like the colors. colors. Yeah. Seriously. Primary and secondary. Yeah. Wow. Ask your therapist. She'll tell you all about it. I just would. Okay. All right, but that helps in communication. So it's one of those things that right? is necessary. Think of it in a more simple sense. Even use an example of colors. When people pick colors for their wedding and you're like, it's a periwinkle. It's Sis. blue. <laughs> it's blue. 
No, it's not. If you put all of those blues in a line, like this, it's this blue, right? Like, it's not the dark blue down there. It's not. They're different, though they may appear to be the same. You got to know what you're talking about in order for someone to understand it, right? You can't explain it. You can't explain mm. it if you don't know it. And then you don't have the right to be upset that they can't comprehend it because you didn't explain it. You don't even know it. You sound like Dia. Where's she at? Did she leave? She said the same thing about <laughs> boundaries. Like, you can't get mad at them if they didn't know and you didn't define it. I'm like, why we got to use all these extra words? It. You got to call it what it is. <laughs> Pass the collection plate, dear. <laughs> Man. So basically living as a person is work because you live with other people. That's basically what I'm hearing. That is, that is a lot of true. It's a lot of work. You hear all this noise in my house right now? It was quiet when we started. <laughs> yes, it was. So yeah, okay. So that, I mean, all that's pretty clear. It, it's, it's really about for, for oneself, right? Being able to it's define who you are as an individual first and then um, being able to explicitly communicate to people. And what I mean, I mean like clearly state um, mm -hmm. your needs, wants, how you feel when it comes to another person. Just the thought of that just sounded like a lot of work. I just, it did. Does it, just it really like sound that complicated? It yeah, not complicated, just a lot of effort. Because when you when it's just you, you don't have to think about that. Now this is me talking. I can talk about being single. I'm good at that. Yeah. <laughs> when it's just you, you can talk to yourself all day and use whatever words you want to use because you understand yourself. You know what I'm saying? True. You don't have to try That's to define true. anything to you because it's you. You understand. Even if you skip a <laughs> even if you skip a word when you're writing your diary, you can read it and know what you meant because it's you. But when it comes to talking to somebody else, you can think that you spoke as clearly as possible because you understand everything that's going on in your mind. And that person come back and say, I completely missed or I only got this part of it because whatever you no said, you completely worked. Yes. So yes, that's well, here's the question for you. <laughs> What's kept you single for so long though? What? This we want to know. <laughs> we just need to know. I mean, you have to ask God, honey, because I don't know. Okay. I mean, you know. Are you scared, though? Are you scared of relationships? You know what? You sound like my therapist. What is up with you? <laughs> she asked me that question. I'm going to put it out there. It's supposed to be confidential, but it's my business, so I can say it. She asked me if, um, she asked me if I was afraid of uh, close relationships and intimacy. I don't remember my answer, but I gave her an answer. <laughs> That is a that is a yes or no question. It is a yes or no question, but I don't remember what I told her. <laughs> it wasn't yes or no. You explained because I started talking. I started trying to have a whole little deep moment, I guess. So I honestly don't remember. I think I told her no, or maybe. I may have said maybe. Uh, Dia said all these questions you ask when you're preparing for the worst. No, it's not that I'm trying to unpack because I recognize <laughs> that it is a process when it comes to. Um, being considerate of another person. Um, I understand how easy it is to be single. And with that, it's easy to be selfish. But my mind, when I think about relationships, I immediately think that you have to be selfless, which is why I ask all these questions, because that's a whole adjustment or transition process that I know that I would, or even people in general would have to go through when they consider like, oh yeah, I want to be in a serious relationship with somebody. 
Um, so yeah, there's a lot to that because you want to be you, you know what I mean? I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've been in the process of working on me, you know, so I can be a better version of myself and I don't want to lose that just because I decided I want to be in a relationship with somebody else. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, there's a lot to that because it's like, you have to communicate and I haven't had to communicate most of my adult life when it comes to that because I haven't had a reason to, you know what I mean? Has it been necessary? Fair enough. We under we recognize though that we can practice our communication techniques in any relationship, right? In I'm, any interaction. I'm working on that. Working on that. <laughs> I'm working on that. Cool. Yeah, that's a process too. Because again, when I think I'm communicating, other people tell me that they didn't get it. It's, you know, other people tell you what that 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 what I communicated is not how they received it. Yeah, it's the difference between intention versus impact. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. What you try to say compared to what actually happened. Right. Yeah, exactly. Dia said there's always a reason to, even if not in romantic relationships. I agree, because there are friendship relationships, there are family relationships, there are coworkers or working relationships, professional relationships. So, absolutely. Am I frozen? Come back. Oh, she left. Uh oh. We lost her. Well, if she comes back, um, hey y'all. <laughs> Who we got on here? Millie, Dia, JP. I appreciate y'all coming in joining us for this hour we're talking about um self and relationships it's a lot of self-work when it comes to relationships which makes sense but it's not what i expected um i don't know if emmy's gonna make it back or not uh anybody have any questions comments concerns when it comes to yes i am saving this mildred um anybody have any questions comments when they consider like the whole relationships and uh, this whole concept of merging uh, two souls into one, so to speak. <laughs> I lost my guest. I don't know if she's going to make it back or not. Um, we are down to the bottom of the hour, though. Um, yeah, hopefully she comes back. If she would tell me about myself. I'm going to give y'all a recap of what I heard in this. If you're considering a relationship, make sure you Take care of yourself first. Know how to communicate. Can clearly express your boundaries and your emotions and whatever your needs are, (laughs) as well as your wants, right? So then when you enter it, you can communicate that well. Work on on habits, especially emotional habits, because those can take way more time to dismantle and correct. And be conscious and considerate of your significant other. <laughs> I appreciate that. Mildred said this stuff hit hard. Yes. Dia said what Millie said it's hard. There ain't no avoiding it. I agree. JP, LOL, is a lot of work. Merging your souls into one. I can't type fast enough. I don't know. I can't type fast at all on this thing, especially on my phone. It's like the keys get stuck. But yeah, that is that. That is that. That is... um. 
interesting enough, so I can say this because we we talking now, so I don't know if Ebby's going to make it back, but y'all, I'm in therapy. I finally got a therapist, and so far, so good. Um, but we were talking about my uh, choice to isolate because uh, when I was going through my, you know, period of depression, I did, I was alone a lot, you know, intentionally. And I had to force myself to like be around other people. <sighs> and so like now as I'm, you know, beyond it, um, I still have to force myself to be around other people. Like I, it's so easy for me to be, by myself like I can literally be in my room alone all day and not feel any type of way um but like when it comes to being around people it requires me to actually like be intentional about it and <laughs> thank you <laughs> to be intentional about it and so uh there are some moments where it's a lot easier than others and I was talking to her because I was asking her you know well I was basically implying or suggesting that maybe this um choice to be Isolated is a, res a residual effect of having gone through that depression where I'm just choosing to be alone uh, simply because I had done it for so long, which in that case uh, led us to having the conversation about whether or not I'm afraid of um, entering into relationships. And I don't think I'm afraid, but I do recognize I have a lot of work to do because it's easy for me to be alone. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, I know this is, not what we asked for, but this is what we're talking about right now. So <laughs> I think Ebony might be gone, gone. Um, but thank y'all for showing up. If y'all have any questions, come on, y'all can y'all can talk to me. I should just invite somebody on here. Who, who here? I'll, I'll save it for next time. But that's it, y'all. I think uh, I think we lost her for good. Um, I hope there were some good nuggets that people got out of what she said because I, I I feel like every time I do this I go home with homework so I'll be working on my communication skills <laughs> but in the meantime between time y'all stay blessed I'm glad y'all showed up and I'll see y'all on the next live